Hey guys, welcome back to the Healthy Business Podcast. Uh, we got Stephen Laval here with us today. Stephen, I'm going to let you kind of take it away and tell us more about what you do, where you're from, why you love doing it, and everything kind of regarding your business. Did that, Jake. And I am a financial planner. I've been one for 32 years now. I grew up and was raised in San Francisco, California. And my dad did the same thing, but dad did it at a much less complex level. He mainly made sure that if you have a family and you got two or three children and typically the mother stayed home and the dad earned a living, if something happened to the dad and income uh, failed, how would that family stay intact? So he was in the business really of preserving families. And when I became a financial advisor, my first inkling was, well, that's what I'd be doing really. And yet I learned very early on I was very inept at selling insurance because I didn't like selling. And, and, and I don't know why I'm that way, because in fact, on my mother's side, there was a lot of family wealth, a lot. And uh, so when I grew up, I went to factories that we owned and I would meet the salesmen and my mother would extol them saying, well, this is John and John is our most important salesman. And yet, for some reason, I guess in my own background in San Francisco, I grew up with a different attitude. But once um, I had a mentor when I was at uh, when I was with Metropolitan Life, and he thought I was um, fairly academically inclined. So he shifted me early on into doing um, getting licenses from FINRA, Financial Industry Regulatory Authority. These are licenses from the federal government that allow you to do other more complex types of planning. So once I understood that my job was to help people build wealth so they could preserve their family, then I became motivated. Man, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I love the way you kind of came about that too, because uh, I, I mean, I'm not gonna lie to you. I don't love the sales side of what I do either. But until you can sell someone on what you're doing, you can't help them, right? So I get the the biggest thing is going to be changing people's lives for the better. And and I think it I think is. That, yeah, I think that's yeah. awesome. I think if that's your goal, then you're you're probably going to be pretty successful at whatever you end up doing. You know, the odd thing is so, uh, that to do that well, you must be convinced that you know what to recommend. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you're, you get in the business and you're young, like uh, you or Bridget, and, you know, you're getting training and you are not really certain that you're skilled at what you're doing. So even though you may follow the rules given to you by your organization, you're not really convinced, Jake, that you're doing right you're following the rules. So as you become more experienced, I suppose it's like a muscle developing. You get better at your job. And once you are good at your job, then that idea that you're doing well and you're doing right, it's, it's, it's easy. You don't have to think about it anymore. And that's how I feel now. I do right because I know what to do. Man, I, I, you hit it right on the head. Cause I like the, when I was getting out of my master's degree, I got my master's in exercise science and yeah. you learn so much in your two years that, you, that you're in your master's program. And, and so much of it is not going to help a real person. And, and I don't mean the science side of it. Yeah. You got to know the physiology and you got to know why muscles grow, why you lose body fat, the dangers and the benefits of it. But it, if you don't know how to apply it to a real person with emotions, with feelings, where it, it just doesn't matter. So you got to know how to talk to people. You got to know how to interact with them. You got to know what works. Yes, if we could put you in a vacuum, and, and same thing with financial, if we could put you in a vacuum and make you make all the amazing financial choices that your textbook says, or the all the best diet choices that the textbook says, of course, that would be awesome. But how many times in real people 
Have you ever seen that? You don't. And the other thing is, you know, I've done this for 32 years, Jake. And the training I got when I first uh, joined the business uh, when I was with American Express, and they were well known. Actually, that division of the company wasn't travel, wasn't credit cards. It was uh, AEFA, American Express Financial Advisors, actually out of Minneapolis. And they were renowned for being very good at training new people coming into business. And the training I got then would be, if I made those recommendations now, I would be misleading people. Because Mm -hmm. back then we thought the way people made money was uh, to put them in equities, essentially mutual funds that are based on American companies. And I rarely recommend such investments now to people because equities come with a lot of risk. And I'm not opposed to risk, but I want to look at the, call it the opportunity profile, you know, risk to return ratio. And buying into the, you know, the capital markets, uh, the stock market is not, for my clients, usually the best thing. There are better alternatives now. And I know um, Yale, particularly, and also Harvard, as much as 40 years ago, they developed a different approach to investing. And these are now referred to as the endowment model or the Yale model. And the fellow running the Yale endowment was David Swenson. And David became very well known for using a lot of investments that were unknown to most investors. He was using timber. He was using a lot of kinds of real estate. Uh, He was using a debt. He was using oil and gas. He was using a group of investments that are generally referred to as alternative investments. And if I was God, Jake, I would change the name. That's not a good name. Yeah, it sounds like the leftovers, right? Yeah. Um, but anyway, that's what we call it. We call them alternative investments. And um, so I started using those in 2008, uh, 15 years ago. And I didn't, you know, I was just starting and I did what was called managed futures. And then from there, 15 years ago, I've now become quite adept in this area. And uh, at the beginning of this year, actually, I'm now on the board of directors for ADISA. And I'm very proud of that position. ADISA stands for, and I may not get this right, Alternative Direct Investment, um, let's see, Adisa, something association. But it's it's for all, uh, maybe sponsors associated. It's for all the people in who recommend alternatives or alts, as they're sometimes shortened to. And those are people who create products. There are people who serve that industry, whether they're doing fintech. They're advisors such as myself. They're broker dealers that control people like me. We have our licenses with them. And now I'm beca- I've become a decision maker in that industry. And I'm very proud of that, very active. And uh, I use a lot of those kinds of investments with my clients. And they tend to have, in my view, a better return to risk profile. They give you more re- money for the amount of risk you assume. That's awesome. Hey, and, and giving your clients options is never a bad thing, right? I mean, especially especially if you can show them a better route than the traditional sense, especially with social media being so prominent nowadays. I my best friend's brother is a uh, is a financial planner and it it kills them to see some of the stuff on TikTok and on Instagram. And, and the same goes for fitness too, man. I, I I hear it all the time. Like, you know, should I should I be doing this diet? Should I be doing this fitness thing? No, not necessarily. Like it, it's not it's it's not the worst thing, but it may not be the best thing either. And, and that kind of leads me into my next question. Well, what kind of changes have you seen over your time in, in the wealth management space as far as like, do, do companies take a bigger interest now in employees, health and wellness? Or do, do you think that it's, it hasn't really changed that much? Or how do you feel about that? 
Well, you might remember um, back at the Munich Olympics, I think it was 72, mm-hmm. and there was an American who won the um, the marathon, Frank Shorter. Yep. And back then, you, oh, you do, you know about him. Okay, good. And I don't know if you remember his diet, Jake, but it was like beer and pizza. You, know, the, you remember it's a Babe Ruth diet, you know? Okay. Yeah. Right. And so again, when I got in the industry, I was um, certainly coached to use mutual funds and to use a particular share class called B shares. And now if I recommended something like a B share, um, I mean, I wouldn't be able to do it. Broker dealers who you could say control my recommendations to clients disallow that. And it's not a good deal for the client. And yet, when I got in the industry 32 years ago, that's what was used. So back then, a lot of people who were in financial services, that's me, made their money by essentially doing trades. And, you know, things like E-Trade came along and their promotion was, hey, you can make a trade just with a mouse click. Now, of course, what E-Trade never said was knowing which key to hit on your mouse pad or, you know, your keypad was important. In other words, decision making. Mm-hmm. And so as a financial advisor, my role with clients is to help them make good decisions. So I'm an educator. I had a f- uh, radio show for four years called The Good Life Made Better with uh, in San Francisco with the uh, radio network KDOW, K-D-O-W. And I would start that show always by saying, I've been an educator all my life. I used to teach in the classroom because I taught for many years. And now I'm going to teach you here on the radio. And that's where things start. If a if a client gets educated about options and is able to see which one is best, then when they make that decision, they're confident, they're comfortable, they're not likely to backtrack, and then you can bring more complex items to them. I started with a new client recently. She's the mother of a client I've worked with for 15 years, and she's 89 years old, and I started with a very simple investment. She sold a home. She's sitting on a lot of cash. Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, she wants her cash to earn more than what she's getting at the bank, whatever, 1%. So I recommended a very stable investment that produces 5.22% every year, year in and year out. It's not a guaranteed investment, but it is never missed. But I said to her, you're going to get comfortable with this when you see that 5.22% hits your bank account or your IRA every month it's going to make you more savvy. And as you become more savvy, you will then be more welcoming to investments that are even better than this. And I've told her I'm going to do that. And I am going to do that. And she's very typical, Jake. She's someone who wants to make money, but is nervous about taking on risks. So I've got to bring her along step by step. So she realizes that there is a profession behind financial advising. It's not, you know, shoot for the fences, getting back to Babe Ruth and ain't yeah, hitting yeah. Homer every day. <laughs> it's well, more like I, the Joe DiMaggio, you know, get your. Oh single, yeah. You know. Well, and that, and that's more life too, right? Like baby steps get you there. You know, like you don't, not everybody, and some people, not, not everybody is super comfortable overhauling their entire view on something yes. all yes. at once. Right. So all at once. It, by giving them options, it's going to build trust in you because the little wins Again, as like it's it's funny all the parallels between industries, right? Like the little wins for for my clients or your clients build trust in you, which means they're going to be more comfortable with the future things that you recommend, and then overall they're just not going to be quite as hesitant to start instilling that stuff, maybe even a little bit quicker. For I know for I just started with somebody pretty recently, and 
uh, I told them like, Hey, all we're going to work on doing is getting in a, a couple protein shakes a day. That's, that, that's going to be our first step because overall the diet is so off track that if I tried to overhaul the whole thing today, it, it's not going to happen. You know, they're not going to change. They're not going to, or, or it's going to feel like too much. And then they're going to feel like they need to quit. And so just like investing life, fitness, whatever, if you can take the little wins and then build it over five, 10, 15 years, or, or maybe even longer, man, that that's setting somebody up for success. It is. Yeah, it is. And so I always say that to someone, you will become a savvy investor. And mm -hmm. by that, I mean, they'll likely end up making more money with the amount of risk they assume because they get more confident, again, in my advice, and they, the mystery of the financial markets is removed. They start yeah. to enjoy it. Oh, yeah. Especially, yeah, as soon as you start to see that progress, especially if you can do those little wins like we just talked about, those little bits of progress, that'll keep them in it for so much longer. And, you know, I, I wanted to ask you, is, is there anything that, that you wanted to kind of get out there that we hadn't talked about yet? You know, these I know these podcast episodes aren't super long, so I, I wanted to kind of give you yeah. a floor on that. Yeah, I will I will get one out there. When I, when I was running for the board of Adisa, I had to essentially put together a campaign, and I made two campaign, I'm going to say promises. And one was I wanted, I work and live in Silicon Valley, and I wanted my peers, other financial advisors, to become more attuned to the value of using alternatives in a portfolio. And I also wanted the investment public. And uh, that's what I'm trying to do. So I'm now, you know, I, I'm posting articles on LinkedIn. I wrote one on private credit, got approved by my compliance officer. Um, today is Thursday, got approved on Tuesday, and that'll get posted today. And I'll be writing others like that. Because again, I want to get the attention of the media, of investors, and of my peers. And again, through my my board membership with Adisa, you know, we have three events we do per year. We did one in uh, San Diego last month. We have another one, uh, specialist meeting coming up in Salt Lake City. And then every year we do our fall conference in Vegas where we get hundreds of people. And so I'm now acting. I'm also the vice chair for the education committee. So mm -hmm. my job with uh, my, my chair, Greg, is to come up with topics that we as an association think our members should know about. And again, our members are people like me who re make recommendations, work directly with clients. They are people who create products. Um, they are bankers. They are uh, also uh, broker dealers that manage people like me. They're also what are called registered investment advisors or RIAs who work with clients, but they don't carry uh, what's called a Series 7 license. <clears throat> so we have this full array of people and I've got to be able to bring topics to them that will extend their knowledge and make them more comfortable recommending alternatives. Awesome. Well, and is LinkedIn the best place for our guests to, to find you and reach for out? Me, board? Yes. Yes, it is. Yes. Find me on LinkedIn, Stephen F. Lobel. Awesome. They can find me there. Well, Stephen, thank you so much for, for being a guest on the show. And, uh, uh, you know, stick around afterwards. We can chat a little bit more. But for everybody else, thank you so much for tuning in. And uh, we'll see you next time on the Healthy Business Podcast. Beer. <laughs>